Well, good morning, Oak Grove. Man, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for being here at Oak Grove. There's so many wonderful churches in southern Missouri. We pastored uh, about 45, 50 minutes away from here for five years, from 2005 to 2010. Uh, and that is how we first connected with your pastor. Uh, I come from ministry. My father's a pastor. Uncles are in ministry. Uh, and how many know your family just think you're all that? They do. And uh, it didn't matter what I did. My mom would brag on me. My uncles would celebrate me. And I knew I needed somebody that had a different perspective uh, to just to help me see things differently. And so uh, God allowed me to have a mutual friend that I, just in a casual conversation, uh, said, man, I'm, I need someone to invest in me besides family and, and just kind of give me some, some boots on the ground exposure and, and just willing to answer my call when I call. That sounds like a good idea. And so he said, I know the guy. And uh, long story very short is we connected with Pastor Ron, and that was back in the day. Um, Man, Steve Bradshaw became a friend, him and Brooke and, uh, and others, Dayton, that was a part of this team. Then at that point, uh, your pastor just said, hey, you come. We have staff meeting on this day. You want to drive in? And so Amber and I made it uh, a monthly occurrence to drive from Richland to be in staff as an extension of Oak Grove. And, uh, and then Pastor Ron came and preached our missions convention, helped us do missions, and it's full circle. And then last year, my goodness, thank you. There's a few pictures, I think, that are going to be on the screen uh, about an update. Let me tell you about what is going on in Scott City. 37 miles away from us uh, in Garden City is a, a little community about a little over 3,000 people, and God has given us the opportunity to revitalize, and the church had closed, and we said, could we go in and, and relaunch it? And in doing that, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, we got a brand new roof. How many, I heard pastor talking about the roof. I celebrate that. Uh, we went from 12 buckets uh, to no buckets. Hallelujah. And uh, the roof doesn't leak, and uh, we painted the building and uh, are getting ready to prepare for new carpets going in here this winter and uh, excited to start holding services in that. It's total uh, gut job we went through. There was all kinds of some issues and water damage. And so uh, we're so excited to see what God's doing in West Kansas. We've been in Garden City for 14 years, starting our 14th year. Uh, incredible uh, favor of God. And my family's here uh, some of them have already slipped out. Natalie slipped out to uh, kids' ministry this morning, and uh, I absolutely love my family. Amber and I have uh, the joy of now realizing that our parents were not as old as we thought they were. We went bowling last night with the staff and uh, the board, and uh, we got back to the hotel last night, and I said, hey, babe, we've got to the point where we now need to stretch before we start bowling. Some of you identify. I know. All right. Well, if you'll grab your Bible, go to John chapter 2. It is a blast to be back with you, and uh, I want to say thank you to you as a church uh, as well. Uh, not only have you invested in missions faithfully, and what an incredible story with BGMC, but you also are sending missionaries. Last year, your pastor and I had opportunity to be uh, in Australia and to pour into uh, the missionaries there in Pacific Oceania. Along with, we serve on a board for Pacific Oceania, and uh, 
just incredible opportunities. In fact, uh, the joy of last year was the, the flight over. Like, road trips are great, but if you've not ever experienced, some of you have in the roof, you've not experienced the joy of getting on a plane and getting a passport stamped with your pastor, you have just fallen short of the glory of God. I'm telling you, it is an amazing experience. We went last year, and uh, I had flight issues literally 24 hours before, so we were supposed to travel all the way together. I had to reroute everything 24 hours before we left Los Angeles, and so I said goodbye to him, and may the Lord be with you, and then I got on another airlines and went another route, and uh, we met in Australia, and he was he was a blast. In fact, we finally had a few free hours one day, and we we got on some rented bikes and uh, rode around the island there of Australia. And uh, it was about 15 minutes later that I had got him a bike, plugged into the app, that I realized he had forgotten to disconnect the brake. So he had been riding for 15 minutes with the motorized bike not being motorized. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. So we got to see kangaroos and survive that. Thank you for investing in missions. John chapter 2, John chapter 2, it's a familiar story to you probably in the room. It's in fact the very first miracle that we know uh, Jesus has recorded here, and it's called the wedding at Cana. I'm going to read out a New Living Translation. It says, and then the next day there was a wedding celebration at the village of Canaan of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and the disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out at the festival, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, now listen to me. Don't read that, con- that, that statement and think, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote Jesus this afternoon. There's not enough time for me to go into. That is not a tone or a condescending statement. That is an affirming statement. That is a recognition of who she was and and, but but listen, don't get in the car and look at your spouse today, men, and go, dear woman, pastor does not have enough time to counsel all the stupidity if that is your reality, all right? So don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Dear woman, that's not my problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold about 20 to 30 gallons for ceremonial washing. That's incredible. Verse 7, Jesus told the disciples, fill the jars with water. So the jars had been filled. And Jesus said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies, the, the wedding coordinator of the day. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that had now become wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew. I love that little statement. He called the bridegroom over and said in verse 10, A host always serves the best wine first. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. At our church in Missouri, we, or excuse me, in Kansas, we start our services or somewhere in the middle of our service before we preach. I'm going to just pastor you for a moment. We say something like this, Jesus, you have our yes. 
What that means is whatever the Lord is going to say from His Word to us, and I've pastored long enough, 20 plus years, to know that sometimes people will stand in the lobby after church and say, Pastor, you said such and such, and that's what I needed to hear. And I go, I didn't say that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will speak things to you while I'm verbally speaking. He will say something that speaks to your heart or to your mind or to your spirit. And so whatever He's going to say today to us, I'm going to invite you. We're going to pray over this moment and over these next several minutes that we have together. And in fact, if you already have your faith promise card and you've not filled that out because you're not supposed to fill it out yet, if you'll take that faith promise card, or maybe if you already have that, your spouse has it, just take an open posture. Let's pray. Jesus, over these next several moments that we have, God, our eyes are limited to what's happening at this address and Oak Grove Avenue and Oak Grove Assembly. There are, Lord, there are over 5,000 plus missionaries around the world that, God, today they are either having their service, already had their service, or maybe they're on the, the eastern or western side and they're going to have services in the next few hours. God, I'm asking that over these next several moments that we have, we we have limited vision. We see what's right here, what's in front of us. But we know through the hands of a loving Savior, you see all things beginning and ending. And so, Lord, right now we're saying, Spirit, help us. Help us to see the unseen. Help us to look at a time that we may not live in, should you tarry your coming, and let us see, Lord, the future harvest that you're going to set forth as a result of this day. This is a faith-building day. This is an opportunity that you've invited us to be a part of. And Jesus, we invite you into it. And we say, Jesus, you have our yes. Would you just say that with me? Jesus, you have my yes. Lord, we commit to you our hearts, our minds, everything we have is yours. In your name we pray, amen. The Assemblies of God is an incredible favor of God, and God's hand has been on us. In fact, uh, currently there's over 5,200 missionaries and personnel around the world in the U.S. Uh, as well that are that are just seeing the hand of God exquisitely in this moment. In fact, every 54 seconds, 54 seconds, every 54 seconds, someone's coming to Christ somewhere in the world through a connection of the Assemblies of God or ministries that you've heard of today like BGMC and Speed the Light and Light for the Lost. And God is using the Assemblies of God, and that's what we're a part of today. You've sent out missionaries around the world, and God's done absolutely incredible things. And I want to celebrate that while encouraging you to see the unseen. The story we read in John 2 is this moment. Can you take yourself there? Last week, we had the opportunity to facilitate a wedding, and some of you, uh, in fact, uh, she is not in the room. I don't see her at the moment, uh, but getting just a wedding's planning next week. We were talking about it last night. She's up in the sound. There she is. Wedding ceremonies are amazing and stressful at the same time. I would rather, as a pastor, I would rather have a funeral ceremony that I'm going through, procession, all the things, than a wedding because weddings are stressful. Sorry, just unplug for a few moments. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had grandkids or kids that have had wedding ceremonies, and it's, it is highly stressful. There's anxiety. There's buildup. The countdown happens. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had a wedding. It's the first time it ever happened to me, but the bride showed up 42 minutes late. Yeah, that's my expression as well. I went to the wedding coordinator and said, any, uh, any ideas where the bride is? We're 10 minutes to start. I don't see their vehicle. I, oh, I don't know. I said, well, that would be a good idea. Please figure that out. I finally, at about five after time to start, I went to the platform. I said, hey, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. In fact, everyone is on time, but there's been a few changes. We're going to start the service a few minutes late today, but just enjoy. In fact, if you'd like to go get refreshments out in the lobby, please do so as an outdoor venue. I said, we'll start about 30 after. Actually, it was 42 after. As soon as she got there, I said, so glad you're here. We're ready to start. Just, just stand right here. <laughs> Weddings are stressful. This wedding, pretty similar. In fact, ceremonies that you and I have today last 30 to 50 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. These environments in the eastern part of the world, uh, they would last somewhere around seven to three days, depending on where you come from, what part of the culture. And at this point, what's incredible is the bride and groom are celebrated. There's the reception that goes on for days. And in fact, if this moment hadn't transpired and they had ran out of food or wine, it would have been the shame. In fact, they would not have said, hey, you remember that ceremony where the bride was late to the wedding? You know what they would have said? The same that you and I would say. Remember the day when they ran out of food at that venue? There was no, I mean, there wasn't anything. No wine, no food. Remember, we traveled all that way, went all that distance, set all that intentionality aside, and, and nobody showed up with food or anything? Yeah, I remember that. I was there. You ever, you ever showed up at an event when somebody wasn't really planned for you, but they had invited you? Well, this is what happens. In fact, in Jewish culture, they have a phrase that says, no wine, no joy. Some of you are like, I think I'm Jewish. Easy. We don't, we don't believe that in the sins of God. All right. But the connection of wine equaled the connection of celebration. Let me give you a couple of things that I see in this text that I think parallel to where we are. One of the things that's amazing is Jesus' mother, Mary, who simply goes to the servants in the moment, says, whatever he says, do, do it. Nike's been making millions off of the phrase, just do it. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the originator of that statement because she says to the servants, do whatever he says, just do it. Let me give you a couple of statements. Number one, what I see in this text is obedience can be measured. Obedience can be measured. There's clear instructions. We say to our kids all the time, uh, first-time obedience. If we have to tell you multiple times, we can measure that. We need you to respond the first time. No matter how crazy it sounds, she says, just do it. Just respond. These are, these are ceremonial pots that are filled for washing, cleansing. It's absolutely crazy, and yet... Jesus says to the servants, go and fill them with water. Here's what's incredible. If they had filled them to the brim, it was transformed. If they had filled them halfway, it was transformed halfway. 
to the level they filled the jars was the level of the miracle received. Incredible. Have you ever had moments where you obeyed the Lord but not completely followed all the instructions He told you? And then later, Amber and I, Amber and I several years ago came across a moment in our life where God had challenged us to do something that was far beyond our comfort zone. And we came to this definition of our response to the Lord. And that is, some may look at it and say, that's foolish and that's zeal, that's youthful energy. But we said we would rather get to the end of our life and say, oh, we were a little full of zeal. Instead of looking back at our history and saying, we missed God, what could have been. And so that's where we came to this response that says, God, you have our yes. Whatever it is, you have our yes. Wherever you call us to go, we'll go. Can I tell you, Garden City, Kansas was never on Nathan's radar. I never wanted to go there. I tried everything I could to stay where I was or stay in southern Missouri or go to Texas where our family are from. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt my obedience was going to be measured because God was calling us to Kansas. See, it reminds me of the story of Luke 6 where Jesus says, remember, says whatever measure you give, it will be given back to you. The same measure you use, it will be measured back. Now listen, today we're not talking about equal giving, but we are calling us to a place of equal sacrifice. Let me put it in perspective. There's over 7 billion people in the world today. and I, I would say according to statistics, now you can argue this, but let me just use this for simple math. There, some would say around 2.1 billion people are born again followers of Jesus. That leaves about 4.9 billion that do not know Christ. So if time ended right now today, uh, that would be somewhere around... 4.9 people that do not know him that would enter into eternity without God. I don't know how you feel. Those numbers can be hard to comprehend, staggering in their sense. But let me, let me put it in some world uh, statistics and maybe some moments that have captured your heart or your emotions at times past. And let me do it in a way that I can comprehend. And that is if you took every person, stood them about a foot apart. All right, so if you, or excuse me, if you, if you took up every person... And, now, some of you have ginormous feet. you got like size 13 or 18 shoe. I don't know what's wrong with you. But for normal people like us, just kidding, I've got a 10 and a half size shoe. So let's just balance this out, make it easy. Let's say that we take each person that we've listed here and we stand them front to back, and they would round enough, take about a foot of space. Let's start this line, if you would. That line would extend the 4.9 billion. It, give context. If you use that same number, that same illustration, if you took the Alabama tornado, some of you remember it, it was swept across. It was, at that point, was the most deadly tornado that had ever happened. 239 people lost their life. If you did that, 2011, that, that span, that line would be 240. 9-11, everyone that was alive remembers where they were when they heard about the World Trade Center tower and the attack. If you took the 200 
or 2,996 people that died in the attack, that would be about a half a mile existence. 2004, the tsunami that hit Indonesia, in a matter of one day, 250,000 people died. That would be a, a distance of about 47 miles long that would last. But, but what's the idea? What's the depth of 4.9 billion people, Nathan? Well, you would start, let's start on the West Coast. Let's say you would, you would go into the Pacific Ocean, and then you would go across, and you would go through the islands, and some of the islands where we have missionaries from Oak Grove that are stationed there, and you go past those islands, you would then come into a place called China, and then from there you would go into places called the Stands in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the Middle East, and you would come by the tip of Africa, and then you would go to the Atlantic Ocean, and then you would come back to the United States on the East Coast, and you'd come by the beautiful Blue Ridge, go through the Kentucky Mountains, and all of a sudden you come back into Missouri. Then you'd go back to the West Coast. And you'd go back to the islands. You'd go back to China. And you'd go back to the stands. And you would make that line not one time, not three times, not four times, not a dozen times. But if you did that, you would circle the globe 37 times at its widest point with a line of people that today would enter into eternity not knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord. 37 times. There's an initiative that's been placed in the Assemblies of God partnering with those that are lost in the Buddhist and Hindu world, and God is doing absolutely incredible things. 1.7 million Muslims that are following Jesus in environments that today are closed to the gospel. But we have an underground church that is rising up even, even in places like Gaza where there's conflict and war. There are Christian believers that are in mosques that have a ministry in places that God is doing some great things. Every, here's the report, every Muslim country in the world, we have Bible studies that are happening inside of environments that are closed to the gospel. Here's what you need to know, Oak Grove, where the, the, where the border stops, the presence and the spirit of Jesus continues on. God's doing amazing things. So we can, we can see that obedience is measured. Secondly, I, I love that we can see transformed lives. Obedience transforms dead religion to exciting faith. Can you imagine? The ceremonial water pots, water pots, they are just, they're simple. They have not been used for anything glamorous whatsoever. And yet all of a sudden, something so insignificant becomes the life of the party. I mean, there's something that you hide away. Everybody, you know, you know when you have people over to your house, you have certain things that you put away. Like, like you, you put it in the closet, you hide the clothes, you hide the hamper, you don't leave it out in the hallway when people would go to the restroom. You, you hide certain things. These are the ceremonial washing pots. They're not beautiful. 20 to 30 gallons of water, they're, they're just something you would use. And all of a sudden now, everybody's gathered around it. Why? Because, man, this is awesome. This is exciting. I think about this church. I think about the life-giving 
ministry that you have in this house. I think about the islands that today are rejoicing because you have sent missionaries to them. I think about kids that will know Jesus and destinies that will be forever changed because you have said, hey, this is something we keep inside these four walls, but let's send it out. Let the gospel, let the light go forth. Send the light. As a result of it, people are coming to faith in Jesus. I, I, I have determined that I would rather be around somebody who's on fire. Yeah, you can, you can do what you need to and correct things later, but I would rather be on, around somebody who's on fire for Jesus than some dead Christian fossils. All that does is tell you what once was. The key is, whatever Jesus says, do it. Do it. Think of some great moments in our life as a couple where God has stretched our faith. And maybe today, maybe you're in the room and you've never committed to a missions faith promise. Here's what I know about your pastor and how, because you say, how do you know that? Well, because he helped teach me how to do missions faith promises. And that is when the moment comes here in just a few minutes and we're going to write out what God's speaking to our hearts. I'm going to encourage you that whatever that number is, we're going to pause and we'll pray one more time. But, but if there's not a moment in a sense, and I would just say it this way, if you can accomplish in your ability right now, you say, well, I can do that, Nathan. Well, you know what? That does not require faith. Over the years, Amber and I have had moments where, in fact, just last week, our church went through a, a very familiar season just like this, and we committed to the largest faith promise we've ever committed to in 20 plus years of ministry and in marriage. And in fact, I made sure God had spoke to her before I said what he was saying to me. And she said, I, babe, I don't know how we're going to accomplish this. In fact, I'll tell you, it was over $10,000 the Lord asked us to do. How do I expect to do that? I don't know. But here's what I told Amber we're going to commit to. We're going to commit instead of saying, I don't know how God's going to do it. Our phrase has changed in, I can't wait to see how God does this. You say, you got it in the bank? I don't. You're going to sell a kidney? I don't plan on it. But I can tell you, every time we take a step of faith, there's an excitement and a dependency that says, oh God, we We can't do this. This is not in our hand, but this is in yours. Here's what I know. Five loaves, two fish in my hand cannot do anything. But when I place it in the hands of the master and he blesses it, and then he says, now you have the resources that I had. When I let it go, multiplication happens in that moment. There's excitement that happens when we take steps of faith. I I think of, my kids, Amber and I have had the joy of raising our three kids in ministry, and uh, there are just moments, some of you as grandparents, you know this experience, but there are moments where God just speaks to your kids, and it, it is just like heaven has revealed himself in that moment. Now, can he speak through his word? Yes, and he does, but there is something about the simplicity of a child that, man, convicts your heart. Several years ago, Amber and I were Going through a season, we were trusting God for something, and we were praying about it. And uh, all of a sudden, in that moment, 
we had decided we were going to go do a couple of things, and we made a quick trip to up here to uh, Steal Your Dollar City. Sorry, Silver Dollar City. And we, uh, we got to the taffy shop. We love taffy. Jonathan was the son of uh, that moment and went into the store with me. We walked in, and I said, all right, buddy, you can get, you know, you got to have a limit. So whatever you can, you can get one handful of, of candy. All right, all right. We're excited. We've had the conversation, as all good parents do, before you get to the store. And so we're telling them what they can do before we get in the store. And so we get there, and I said, one handful. So we get there, and he, he goes over to the counter, and it's an assortment of taffy. And he, he reaches in, and he pauses. And he looks up at me and said, Dad, one handful? Yeah, bud, that's what we said. Remember, you get one handful of of taffy. That's it. He said, any handful. I said, yeah, bud, absolutely, any handful. He pauses. He's about five years of age at that time. He says, Daddy, will you get the handful for me? Can I just tell you, I expanded my hands as wide as I reached in. At the same time, the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. In your hands, it's just taffy. But in my hands, it's a miracle. There's something exciting about Faith Promise Sunday. It ignites a church. Amber and I can track two things in our ministry and our church life, and that is, one, we can track the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we have at the start of the year. And we can say God has used that in Mission Sunday to transform our home and our church. See, you think this is about Oak Grove, but what I'm inviting you to understand today is this is about the homes that are represented in this house. And what God wants to do is make some of you, the dreams, the plans, the desires of your heart, that you've thought were long gone, he says, hey, will you place it in my hand? Will you you let me take the dead things and make them alive again? I want you to take a moment. If you'll grab that faith promise card, I want us to take a moment. We're going to pray together. I believe that God's solution for the trouble that the world faces today is Jesus. And you do as well. The, the flag, some of the, the nations I know that are on the, the banister and around the room, some of them I do not. But what I do know, what I do know with great confidence and authority is that there are people and kids that in these nations that are represented will rejoice because of what happens today in this house. Those 4.9, that 37 times around the globe, that representation there, that line's going to get shorter because of churches like Oak Grove that are going to respond today. 
I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that Oak Grove is the hope of Springfield. I believe that Oak Grove is the hope of students that are in schools in Springfield. I believe that Oak Grove is the hope of children that today are in the darkness of sin and in prostitution because of things that they have believed and lived on for centuries that you are changing from their life of darkness to a life of hope. You're that answer. Today, if you'll take a moment, and Amber and I are committed to this. This is not our church home, but we are committing today to give to Faith Promise Sunday as well. We're going to take a moment. And, uh, can you help me? Here's what we're going to do. Will you take that card? You have it? You got a pen? I want to pray over it. And we're going to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. This is for boots on the ground. This is an opportunity for us. There's project opportunities that will come in the next several months. The goal for this morning is 100000 Can I break that simply down? That would be 100 people in the room. That you would say, hey, we can do this. We can commit to, maybe the Lord would ask you to say, um, you know what, we Let's commit a car payment, $333 to that. Maybe it's the Lord speaking to you as a family, and you put a number down. I had this happen last Sunday. Somebody called and said, Pastor, I wrote a number down, and they literally had left the church, and before they came back, Ian, I saw them coming into the parking lot. We hadn't left the second service yet, and they said, Pastor, when you look at that faith promise of mine, will you just double it? And yes, I will. He said, I heard what you said. I know how I can do that. But I want the Lord to be a part of this process. So will you take that card? You're not going to get a call. You're not going to get an invitation to have a conversation with Pastor. He's going to pray over these. They're going to believe by faith. And Jesus is going to help you. So, Lord, right now, we take these faith promise cards. Lord, the earth's currency is going to be worthless when you return or when we pass away, whichever comes first. But, Lord, we know this, that you invite us to store up, store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. That's our goal. We're, we're going, but we're not going alone. We're taking people from Papua New Guinea, and we're taking people from, from Thailand, and we're, we're taking people from Indonesia. We're taking people from China and Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Palestine, and we're taking people from, from Springfield with us. So, Lord, we're asking that you would help us today, that you have our yes. And our heart's response is you. And Lord, we're participating with you to advance the kingdom of God around the world. Let our heart and our hope and our faith be fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll leave you with this statement. If you're filling that card out, this is a statement that came out of that moment with Jonathan, and it was simply this. God will bless you more than you will bless yourself.
if you will give him the opportunity. God will bless you more than you will bless yourself if you'll give him the opportunity to be a part of the process. Oak Grove, we love you. We rejoice in what Jesus is doing in this house. And we're going to see lives change because of Mission Sunday. Amen? Come on, can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Ushers, will you help us this morning? Prepare to receive these cards. Your pastor is going to lead you through this next week and celebrate what God's doing. I can't wait to hear what he does in this house. This morning, if you'll take that, like Amber and I have, and you'll separate that card, the preparation there. It's already happened for you. This is to put in your Bible. The larger part is to hand in the offering this morning. You're not going to get a call from pastor, but you're going to be prayed over. Guess what? We're going to be able to measure what the Lord does in this house. It's going to be exciting. Jesus, we take steps of faith and we commit to you. And we have heard your voice and whatever you called us to do, you have our yes. And just like the servants, the miracle happened in our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.